Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for April 6th through April 12th. Hope that you are all doing okay out there, out in quarantine land. Um, I'm recording this as the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction is perfecting at 24 degrees of Capricorn. It's a Leo moon today on Saturday afternoon. And uh, yeah, lots going on, huh? We, we've been living uh, the, a lifetime in the month of uh, March and, and into April here. Um, time seems to be stretching out a little bit. It's, it's very interesting to experience it. Um, but I hope that you're doing okay out there and hanging in there wherever you're at. Uh, we'll get to quite a bit of astrology this week. We've got a Mars-Uranus square going on. We have Mercury sextiling Pluto. Mercury will also be sextiling Jupiter. Um, so it'll be kind of bing, bang, booming from uh, Pisces to, to that Capricorn uh, conjunction that's happening today, making contact. Uh, and then we're moving into a full moon on Tuesday, uh, the Libra full moon at 18 degrees of Libra. So we'll talk about that in depth and all of the factors involved with that this week. On Thursday, uh, the sun moves into the third decan of Aries. We'll discuss that and some of the correspondences. And on Saturday, hallelujah, Mercury finally leaves Pisces for Aries, the domicile of Mars, where it gains... I don't know if it gains any particular dignity, but it doesn't have as much debility. So that is quite an improvement, I think, for Mercury. Um, and then we'll talk about the sextile that Mercury is making to Saturn. All right. So that's an overview of our week. Um, let's take a look at our chart here. So much going on. Oh. Everybody hanging in there okay? This has been... Uh, it's interesting when you're living history, right? Uh, I've been doing some reading with uh, Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas, um, which is a book that I've had for a while, and I've, I've read particular sections here and there, um, but I thought I would start reading it from the very beginning and get all the way through it. Uh, and it's very interesting. Like it's, uh, he was very prescient when he, when he was talking about the types of experiences that we might have with some of these outer planet um, contacts. Um, and one of the interesting things I, I think that I've been experiencing so far is his, his idea of um, the world being ensouled and the subsequent disenchantment of the world from basically from the Copernic the Copernican, is that how you'd say it? Copernican? Basically from the time of Copernicus when he uh, discovered uh, or realized or made it a popular opinion that the, uh, the earth revolves around the sun. Um, yeah, I, it's not an opinion, I guess. I, I'm making it sound like I, I'm throwing, casting doubt on it. I'm not, not a flat earther or anything like that. So, uh, but, but that was definitely a watershed moment in the way that we view the world as human beings. And he has a very, uh, another very good book. I think it's called The Passion of the Western Mind, where he traces the development of Western thought through history. And this has get, gotten me thinking a lot about uh, just astrology in general and how, we, how we've gotten to this point in our, in our history. 
And we're at a very important moment where we are seeing kind of the, I don't know, the dissolving of late stage capitalism. Uh, if you do your, your, your historical research, there is a lot of times when uh, various empires will rise to power and then will start to fade. And we're in a, a moment now where um, the system that we have as a collective is starting to become uh, dysfunctional. I don't know if it's starting to become, but it's there, we're hitting the peak of dysfunctionality. And I think that uh, that's when the real changes happen in history. And that's something that we're experiencing now. And I think just the interesting thing about the disenchantment quality is that we are, um, since we realized that, you know, all the planets don't revolve around us and we weren't the center of the universe, we've, you know, since that particular moment, there's been a, a, a distancing that's happened between our experience of the divine and how we think of our own minds. Um, this is kind of one of the, the, the seed moments for the, you know, you create your own reality type of movement. And my personal opinion on that, and, and the opinion I think of some other mystical thinkers, is that that's partially true but not 100% true. We, you know, it's a co-creation, right? We're co-creating with other creators and with the divine. And, and the, you know, that this world we live in has a cosmic intelligence and ordering. Um, we wouldn't really be able to do astrology very well if we didn't believe in some kind of ordering or intelligence in the universe. I, I think that that's... Um, one of the key foundations to doing astrology well is understanding that there are repeatable patterns and being able to find meaning within it. And Richard Tarnas goes into, uh, he, he talks about Carl Jung a lot and the concept of synchronicity where um, basically they're meaningful coincidences. And, and uh, it's just very interesting. I, I would highly recommend that book, Cosmos and Psyche, Richard Tarnas. Uh, it is more about modern astrology so I don't know how many of you are of my listeners here are more traditional astrologers, but um, he definitely has, uh, he's been hitting the mark and he did a lot of historical research that I think is very important. And yes, there may be some other techniques in the tradition that could have predicted some similar things, but he, it's probably one of the best books for understanding the outer planets. Uh, the, I'm referring to Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto and context that they have with uh, things like Saturn and whatnot. So check that out. Uh, it's a great time to read that book because we're living that um, a moment with the, since the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that he you know, basically nailed in his book and, and talks about at length. Um, and that's actually been giving me some comfort because uh, when you get to see a moment in history within context of bigger epochal changes, I think that helps you relax a little bit. Not that it isn't difficult and that it, it isn't uh, still, we still are in awe of it, but I think what it can do is help us kind of say, you know what, this is part of a process. This is part of a, a much larger, um, I don't know, I was going to say a machine, but I don't like that word with this because I think it's a much larger organic process 
a much larger, you know, intelligent process, not, a, not just a mechanized process. Yes, nature can be thought of sort of in a mechanized way, but um, the point that he is making is that there is definitely something that is meaning that is inherent outside of the human being making meaning for it. Um, and I think that's really cool. And that gives me a lot of peace of mind on some level. So I just wanted to say that to start off the, the, uh, the podcast this week, um, because I just thought it was really, it's something that I've been really doing a lot of uh, thinking about. Okay, so let's talk about the essential dignities for this week. Uh, the sun is going to be starting out in at 16 degrees of Aries and moving to 23 degrees Aries. So we will have a new decan when the sun gets to 20 degrees. Um, we're getting very close to the sun's degree of maximum exaltation at 19 degrees. So the sun is in its exaltation in the domicile of Aries, um, where it is kind of at its best. It's at the top of the wheel of fortune. It's functioning. It's able to command uh, very strongly. It's able to create craft identity. Um, it's able to, the, the light is very strong within Aries. Um, it is also the triplicity ruler by the daytime of the fire signs. So it has additional dignity. And it is has rulership by Deccan or face in the second Deccan of Aries. So lots of dignity for the sun. So it's, it's a very good time for deciding uh, what kind of world uh, you would like to create, co-create with the external world. Uh, we've all been kind of shoved in our own, into our own little worlds here. And we are, have these little microcosms of the macrocosm within our own homes right now. We've got like an entire world in our home. But yet, if you think about this, we are sharing this experience with everyone else. So that's where I'm seeing some of those, those connections with the, um, the, the world soul kind of happening. Because, you know, this is a moment in our astrological thinking where we are, or, and just in our daily life, where we are forced into having a collective experience that we might not normally um, have if we're just going about our daily lives. There are various moments in history, and this is where he gets part of his theory from, where it, it, it just affects everyone. And we're going through one of those moments in history. And I can't stress how important that is. And it's just really interesting. Um, so the sun will be moving through the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees and then into the terms of Aries, I'm sorry, the terms of Mars from 20 to 25 degrees. So we're heading into a little bit more, a slightly rougher waters when the sun moves into the terms of one of the malefics. Um, we've already been seeing a lot of uh, um, organizations and workers starting to organize strikes and starting to push back against the powers that be. Uh, and I think that's another kind of sun Aries kind of meeting up with Saturn and Aquarius and, you know, really trying to um, figure out a new, more equitable uh, reality for the people on the fringes, for people on the, that are exiled. And I consider the people that on the fringes that are exiled right now are the people that are forced to go out into the world and into the, the frontier, so to speak, and onto the, the front lines, you know, like our, our essential workers that we've been talking about, like nurses and doctors and, and grocery store workers and, and things of that nature. 
Um, so we may see people start to get even more uh, empowered to to push back a little bit for for their basic human rights. And you know, like I, like I said, I've already seen this happening more and more. There was a lot of um, I read an article the other day about a rent strike where people were pushing back on um, property owners because they aren't making any income yet people are still collecting rent. So it's, there is some inequality in the system and I want to point that out. Um, this isn't news to a lot of you, but I, I think that people are being uh, shut out of their jobs, number one, and they're not able to make income yet the banks and the people who own most of the businesses and, and properties are still collecting money. Now, that is, if, if an economy is basically frozen, is it fair to still collect rents and to still uh, expect mortgages to be paid if no one else is making money? So what that means is that a certain f very small fraction of the uh, society is still making money hand over fist while the rest of us are not. And that is when we see the ingredients for uh, rebellious behavior, for revolutions, for um, massive changes to the way that, that things are, are going. And I think that's only going to increase in volume as we get further and further into Saturn and Aquarius and into this uh, quarantine season that we are in. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Jupiter. Jupiter is still in its fall in the third decan of Capricorn. Um, today, as I'm, as I'm making this video, it is conjoining with Pluto. And by the time you're listening to this, it will have started to separate. Uh, it is in the terms of Saturn from 22 to 26 degrees. And Jupiter is not in a great shape right now. This is one of the things where Jupiter um, is having a lot of difficulty bringing us good things. And it's, it's still trying to do those things. Um, this, an example of this would be like there is a government uh, bailout that is happening in America. And there is attempts to bring good things to, I guess, to the people. But it's severely corrupted. And in America, there's a lot of criticism in the, on the bailout packages because there are people that are recognizing that most of the money is going to bail out corporations and, uh, well, and I, full stop, <laughs> like is going to bail out corporations. And much less of that is going to the people and essential services. I was also reading an article that things like the post office, a, a shared resource that we have that we rely on, did not get. Uh, very much funding in in the um, last few bills that were passed and is in danger of bankruptcy. So I think that there's, um, and as we've seen with our press conferences as well, we have a parade of, of corporate CEOs being, um, uh, well, just displayed one right after another, talking about um, all the wonderful things that they're doing. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time. And that, that I can really point to Jupiter conjoining Pluto as, as being representative of that kind of experience because that's the third decan of Capricorn. And that third decan was about power and was about material power and the people that hold it. And we are seeing the corruption being exposed from the underworld, Pluto, 
and, and even possibly expanded with its connection with, with Jupiter. So there is, uh, there's a giant power grab that's being happening right now. And it's, um, it's being laid out there for us to, to witness. I, I would also uh, point to the, um, the government, the federal government, um, requiring states to compete for resources like ventilators and masks. There is a, a continuance of the uh, late-stage capitalism when it comes to these essential uh, medical supplies where states are being forced to bid against one another or the federal government is outbidding them and stockpiling it and then getting to decide and set the price or, or whatnot for the states. Now, many mixed messages with that. Uh, I don't think that it's a bad thing if the federal government does buy these supplies, if they are going to distribute them fairly and equally at a baseline price. Like the federal government gets to decide what the prices are in an emergency. That's, they have that power. And what's happening is that because we have uh, a plutocracy right now, because we have people in power that are more concerned about making money than they are the well-being or the welfare of the American people, uh, they are continuing to uh, practice disaster capitalism where they are profiteering off of uh, people's fear right now and, and legitimate fear, legitimate fear. And that's something that is, should be brought to the light of day and is being exposed by Jupiter-Pluto type of uh, experience that we have right now. And it's going to, I'm, I'm not sure how much worse it's going to get with that. I do know that there are two more contacts with Jupiter and Pluto. There is a retrograde uh, that happens uh, when Jupiter goes retrograde and then we'll contact it, Pluto again in the end of June. And then I believe there is another contact in the fall when uh, both of those planets are going direct again. So we're, that's going to be one of the themes of our year. In, in addition to the, the coronavirus and the pandemic, it's the exposure of, of corrupt power. And what are we going to do as a society in response to that? So those are the two themes. You've got uh, a global disease that is uniting people in isolation. And then you have uh, the, the powers that be that are um, going through a uh, exposure of a system that really isn't functional anymore. And we're shifting from that, that material uh, reality, that those um, conjunctions of, of Jupiter and Saturn in Earth signs. I've talked about this in past videos. One of the traditional t timing techniques uh, for eras was uh, where the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions happened and what element. And they've been making their conjunctions once every 20 years or so in Earth signs for the last 200 years. And they will be, it will, they will be making their first conjunction in air sign, in an air sign of Aquarius, uh, for the first time in 200 years. And that signals a shift to a, a more a different... Um, a different elemental societal uh, accepted reality. And it's big stuff. It's, it's really big stuff. I don't think I can underemphasize that. We're at a, a huge turning point in history. Um, so that's what's going on with Jupiter. Speaking of Saturn, 
and the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. That's happening at the winter solstice this year in December. Uh, Saturn is in the first decade of, of Aquarius, and where it has rulership by domicile. It's in its own temple. It is the triplicity ruler of the air signs, but in the daytime. So there is communal uh, support for our Saturnian isolation. Um, so you can see that as a community, we are Saturning up, right? We're isolating ourselves, um, most of us willingly. Uh, some of us are not, but there are consequences that will be suffered for that, just like any uh, distributive justice or punitive justice that uh, Saturn likes to distribute. So um, there will be natural consequences for the people that aren't following fall, falling into line, um, if, whether that's being sick or eventually if there are laws that are passed um, that are more restrictive. And that's a possibility, too, if people don't kind of wake up to the seriousness of the situation and, and willingly um, isolate themselves for the good of the whole. Uh, Saturn will be moving through the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. And uh, yeah, it, it just got j done with its conjunction with Mars last week, and it's starting to separate. And Venus, who has just moved into um, Gemini, the first decan of Gemini, where it is peregrine, and moving through the terms of Mercury from zero to six degrees, and then the terms of Jupiter from six to 12 degrees, it is, uh, we talked last week a little bit about Venus being in a malefic enclosure. Now, Mars is also in the first decan of Aquarius, where it is also peregrine uh, and is moving through similar terms, zero to seven degrees of Mercury, and then in the terms of Venus from seven to 13 degrees. So Venus is in a condition right now where it is in a malefic enclosure. And I, did, I talked about this last week, but you can see here that in the beginning of the week, Venus at two degrees is casting a trine ray okay, in between Saturn and Mars. Now, this potentially isn't as um, challenging as if it was with a square and an opposition. You know, since it's trine, there still could be some good that comes out of that. But I, I still think that our Venus energy is going to feel trapped. Excuse me. Um, we do see this week that Mercury will break up this malefic enclosure once it moves into Aries and, and intercepts by sextile. That is one concept uh, in traditional astrology is, is one planet can like basically block the enclosure. And you can see here, Mercury is going to be the one that's going to, to block from three degrees okay, uh, that malefic enclosure and break it up. So there will be something towards the end of the week, um, some messaging from Mercury that will help us feel like we're not as trapped with our uh, Venusian um, significations. All right, so Mercury, speaking of Mercury, speaking of Hermes, the winged messenger, Mercury is going to start out in exile and fall in Pisces in the third decan where he's been forever uh, <laughs> and moving through the terms of Mars from 19 to 28 degrees, and then the terms of Saturn from 28 to 30 degrees. So rough sailing for Mercury at the beginning of the week, where he, uh, he is moving through um, malefic bound lords. And that is a, when the planet's moving through its final degrees, it's always moving through uh, the, the bounds of Saturn and Mars, where it's a tougher teacher. It's, it's 
having a diff, more difficult expectations placed upon it. And it's going to lighten up quite a bit when Mercury moves into Aries, the first decade of Aries. Now, it doesn't have any specific dignity in Aries, but it is not in severe debility. And it will be in the terms of Jupiter, which is an improvement, okay? Even though Jupiter has fallen. So this isn't like a super crazy happy Mercury in Aries, but it's not one that's like extraordinarily depressed or dysfunctional. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that that's going to help bring some clarity to all the mixed messaging we are receiving. We'll probably start to get more data, more clear data. We'll probably get more um, recommendations of what we need to do and how long we may have to do the, this quarantining. Uh, we'll, we'll probably have more, um, I don't know. I feel like this is a point in time where the doctors are going to be like, okay, we, we know what what this is all about and here's what you need to do. Whereas there's just been all these confusing mixed messages over the past few weeks with Mercury in Pisces where one day, you know, people were saying, Oh, don't be too worried about it. And then the next day they're like, stay in your homes. And it's just, it's just a, a very convoluted type of uh, experience that I mean, that I've had watching the white house updates, which is a lot more of, our president than I'm used to absorbing on a daily basis. And I got to tell you, it's, I'm, I'm not a fan of that experience at all. Uh, it's, it's really difficult to uh, witness um, someone who is very cavalier with facts and with the truth. And um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I need to like maybe not watch it as much. Uh, I need to do what NPR in, in Washington State did and said, you know what, uh, this isn't actually a reliable source of news. So <laughs> we'll go for a different source. Um, yeah, pretty ridiculous. I don't know. And if you're a fan, you're a fan. What can I say? Uh, as I've said before, we'll have to agree to disagree. Um, but I, as, a, as a sensitive person, it's very difficult to see somebody um, who is so self-absorbed that, that mostly what they can think about during this time is how they look on TV and how many people are watching. And when people are really suffering and are coming to these uh, updates for what they hope is useful or valuable information. And I, my opinion is it's pretty ridiculous for someone to be like, oh, man, we're getting so many ratings, you know, like, like, like it's a popularity contest. And um, that's another face of, of corrupted power um, where somebody's ego becomes more important than the actual information in a crisis, a time of crisis. And if those of you, if you out there are feeling upset about that, I, I think it's justified. I think that it's, um, when we have people, you know, elected officials, uh, ideally, they are supposed to be servants of the people. And we didn't elect a public service, a public servant in the last election cycle. And I know that there's people out there that uh, disagree about the size of government and things like that. 
Um, but I hope, I hope that all of us can agree that there are certain times where uh, an organizing, overarching, organized, structural, hierarchical structure would be useful. And if it not in a time like this, in a time of crisis, then when? You know, uh, that, that is, um, that's kind of, that's how I feel about it. And uh, you can disagree with me if you want, um, but you're going to be on the wrong side of history. So think about it. Anyway, moving along. The moon this week is waxing uh, to fullness, to the full moon at 18 degrees, and then begins to wane to the disseminating phase. It will have a triplicity rulership in the sign of Virgo by the nighttime. It is the nighttime ruler of the earth signs. It is uh, the ruler of the first face of Libra. It is in its fall in Scorpio. Uh, it has rulership by face in the second decan of Sagittarius. And then it will be in its exile, having triplicity rulership by the nighttime in the sign of Capricorn. All right, let's go to our daily experience. I try to be as objective as I can in these, in these offerings. Um, you know, whatever. I'm a human being. I have my opinions. You have your opinions. Some of us will agree. Some of us won't. And that's part of being a human being is we get to decide what, we, uh, what our opinions are. I will encourage you, though, to... Uh, I think this is a good time to um, think about your fellow man and think about your fellow person think about your society. Um, this is what Saturn and Mars right now are asking us to do is to have a more global perspective. And yeah, it's, it can be tough sometimes because there's a mistrust, I think, of, of people in power as there should be uh, it, it, regularly. But what I've seen over the course of this whole thing is, and I'm sorry if this is you or not, uh, but there's a subsection of people out there that it doesn't matter what the people in power are saying or the, what the media is saying. They want to take a contrary perspective and they want somebody to blame. And I, this is something that's frustrating for me. Um, there's always a finger pointing happening. This is a moment in time where we're experiencing something that is not necessarily anybody's fault. It is the the result of, a, of collective actions over a very long period of time. And sometimes we do experience things uh, that are part of the flow of nature and the flow of the divine or the flow of the universe or whatever you want to call it. And we're in one of those moments right now. And it's very easy to want to point a finger towards somebody. It's human nature. We want, we don't, it's very difficult for us to think that there is some sort of power outside of ourselves. And that, that I'll bring, come back to Richard Tarnas on this. It's very hard for modern man, for modern hum, a modern human being to accept, a modern secular human being, to accept that there is some sort of overarching uh, pattern that there's some overarching um, movement towards a natural movement that isn't created by human beings. This is a, a moment of humility. 
And I would encourage you to, to take a moment and think about how you fit into a cosmos and a universe rather than into just your own family, your own city, your own opinion. Um, because I, I really feel, and this is uh, supported by the astrology, that to make, uh, to overcome the challenges that we're facing as a collective right now, we need to, uh, we need to come together and we need to, to recognize that uh, we aren't going to be able to do this alone. And I, I will say this, the people in power that own uh, banks and corporations are realizing, and they've always probably realized this, but you know, it's getting thrown in their face that they need workers to create their income. The workers are realizing that those people need them to make the system run. And it's the same thing. We, we, need, to, we need each other to figure this out. And uh, I don't know. Think globally. Try to be a little bit more humble and take a, a larger perspective because this is part of the reason we got to this point in the first place is um, when people were only looking out for their own interests. All right, let's take a look at Monday here. Monday, the moon starts out in Virgo and moves into Libra at 5.16 p.m. We're starting off in the gibbous phase where we're waxing to our full moon. Uh, the moon is going to be making a number of oppositions in the morning. Um, it is making an opposition to Neptune. You can see here. And then to Mercury uh, at 19 and 22 degrees, respectively. And then it starts to trine uh, Jupiter and Pluto. So we've got some, some difficult aspects in the, uh, for communication in the beginning of the day, uh, some, some confusing messages very early in the morning, maybe Sunday night leading into Monday morning. And then we have the moon really kind of activating that Jupiter-Pluto conjunction area um, through a trine, okay? So potentially there is something... Uh, positive that comes out of that. Maybe we're able to kind of start moving forward in a new direction. And since the the uh, composting has started coming, uh, started to accelerate, we may see the um, the breakdown starting to lead to something fertile. Um, that's another way you can think of Pluto as the process of 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 compost. Okay, of the the process of organisms breaking down material matter into something that can be later used to to fuel the new growth and that's part of the experience we're having now too that like i've described in the past the caterpillar and the cocoon is dissolving into goo and all of its cells are being rearranged into something new into a new form um, but it's a confusing time uh, when the moon moves into libra at 5 16 pm it will then make a trine to saturn at 6.52 p.m. and then trying Venus at 9.56 p.m. Okay, so you can see here, we've got uh, as the moon, whoops, that was too many, too many moments. There we go. As the moon moves into Libra, it's gonna make a trine to Venus and it's going to make a trine 
to Saturn and Mars. It's going to be uh, in that, uh, and that may be a moment too, where it's sort of breaking up the malefic enclosure briefly, um, the moon. Okay, so it's going to be interceding. There may be some kind of uh, negotiation or balance point that is helping Venus out uh, as she's uh, feeling bound by her uh, by the two malefics. Now, remember, this really speaks to um, Venus in the first decan of Gemini too, because the first decan of, of Gemini was uh, associated with the nine of swords in the Rider Waite tarot, and then that tarot deck you can see a figure that is blindfolded and surrounded by swords and she is um, restricted in some way so it's a there's dual dual symbol symbolism that's happening right now with the the placement of venus as far as its contact with other planets and its placement in the zodiac via the decan that it's moving through okay so let's move forward to Tuesday because Tuesday when, is when the action really picks up. Monday is just a building up phase. Uh, we're kind of getting, uh, seeing some of the results, I think, of the, the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction and the, we're disseminating, we're starting to begin the disseminating um, phase of that. The, the real corruption is probably coming to light over the weekend and we're going to be processing that in the beginning of our week. Okay. Okay. Uh, so let's go to Tuesday and start looking at that. On Tuesday, a couple things are gonna happen. I'm gonna skip over to the, to the moment of the full moon and then we'll just break it down from there, okay? So here we go, full moons at about 10 o'clock. Yeah, right around here. Around 10.35 p.m. And I'm going to go back here. You can see what's going on. We'll try to think about this in, in holistically because I've got the pieces here, but let's think about what this means collectively. So the moon will be making a trine to Mars at 1.20 a.m., which is very early in the morning. And then the next aspect that we see is Mars making a square to Uranus. So there are a number of things happening concurrently. So first of all, we have the sun and the moon making its opposition, which is when we have a full moon. Okay. And that is of the nature of Saturn. So there is some sort of... Uh, conflict, limit, wall that we're running up against, balance point. Now, in my, uh, oh, in my explorations, my philosophical explorations of the planets, I've been thinking about Saturn as uh, the concept of nemesis versus um, the concept of 2K. And nemesis was, a, was the uh, distributive justice that or the punitive justice that is creating um, balance to the more randomized distribution of fate that is uh, associated more with the moon, with Mars, potentially with Venus, okay, and the, the fortune houses. Uh, I've explained this in a previous video, but this is something I've been kind of working through. These are called fortune houses down here, five and six, whereas 
the 11 and 12, we have the spirit houses, which are more aligned with the solar sect, okay? Where you had the joy of Saturn was in the 12th house, the joy of Jupiter is in the 11th. Here we have the joy of Mars in the 6th, and the joy of Venus in the 5th. Those are both nocturnal uh, lunar sect planets. And uh, you can see also, if you want to extrapolate this out, the sun has its joy in the ninth, the moon has its joy in the third, and Mercury goes both ways on the ascendant. Okay? So that's, what, that's the planetary joys that we're looking at. And um, I've been thinking a lot about this and how Saturn exalts in Libra, right? And here we see the moon in Libra. And this is a this is a point in the the, the zodiac that where Saturn likes to bring balance and stability as well as break down old outdated structures that aren't really working anymore. And I think that uh, what we're experiencing with Saturn and Aquarius right now is a uh, a course correction. It's it's like a uh, a punish sort of like a punishment that that. Mm, for our collective actions. It's not an, I don't know if it's an individual punishment. I wouldn't think of it that way. I would think of it as a, you know, um, where it's a restoration of sorts. And you can think of like prison like this too. I mean, what is the uh, purpose really of sending someone to prison? It, ideally, not necessarily how it works in reality, where it's basically indentured servitude to private owned prisons where it's slave labor. Okay. Uh, let's not beat around the bush about that. Uh, but what we have with the idealized reason we would send someone to prison is to rehabilitate them and to have them kind of isolated from society to think about the consequences of their actions and hopefully to rebalance and to learn something and to be able to eventually rejoin society from a more humble, mature, rehabilitated perspective. And this is, you know, this is what we have with the 12th house being the joy of Saturn too, where, uh, you know, 12th house was associated with prisons, with hospitals, same thing with hospitals, right? Hospital is a, is a time to isolate, to get back into balance. So I love uh, this, um, seeing Saturn and Libra as exalted. And, and I really will credit both my teacher, Achuta Bhavadas, for um, my understanding of, of Saturn uh, and, and Robert Schmidt, and also just Austin Kopik's book, 36 Faces. Not, not that you haven't heard me say this, but it was from reading his chapter on Libra that I was, I was starting to really connect these dots a little bit more, um, talking about Nemesis and 2K and, and just really, really good stuff. And it's really helped me understand Saturn a lot more because Saturn's like the big, the big bad guy in traditional astrology. But I, I think that what we have to really recognize, especially when it comes to malefic planets too, um, I don't know if, there, if a traditional astrology and if traditional philosophy had as much of a moral polarization as we do potentially in our modern culture and with our modern religious belief systems. I think there was a lot more um, ambiguity and wiggle room, and uh, there was more 
mm, saying that this just is. It's not necessarily good or bad. This is. And that is more of the Taoist type of philosophy. Uh, something that I really resonate with is there's, there, there's a Taoist story that I'll tell you that has helped me really understand the nature of reality. And this is a great story for Saturn, I think, too, in finding balance. Saturn, it's really the relationship between things like Saturn and Mars and Jupiter and Venus, right? Uh, there, was, there was once a man that uh, was being called to war, or there was a war in his country. And uh, he was, um, actually, no, let me back up a second. Let me have to think about this. Uh, a man had a horse, and the horse uh, injured the man. He kicked, kicked the man and broke his leg. And the, all the townspeople were like, oh, that's terrible. That is so bad. That's so malefic, right? And he's like, eh, it, it kind of is what it is. And then the country went to war. And instead of being called to war, he, um, he stayed home because he had a broken leg. And everyone's like, isn't that wonderful? That's so benefic, you know, if I'm using the language of astrology. And then he's like, eh, it's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, then there was something else where his horse runs away and they're like, oh, that's terrible. Your horse ran away. And he's like, same, same story. He's like, you know, he's, he's not judging it. And then the horse comes back with a whole herd of horses and people are like, oh, it's what good fortune that you have by having a, a whole herd of horses come back to you. And again, his, his reaction was, was neutral. And I think that that's really one of the things that we have to start looking at with astrology too, because the malefic planets play, they have a purpose, they have a role. They have a, a role to uh, be able to, I think, bring things back into balance. Um, death is the balancing point to life. And if we just had growth 24-7, it wouldn't, I mean, it, I've said this many times in the past, but when you have a, like a, a field, you can't grow it all the time, or you will exhaust the soil. There has to be a time where that you let the crops die back, and that death composts Pluto to become the future crops, to become the future life, to fertilize the future life. And that's what the, I think that's the role of the malefics, is they're helping to maintain the balance of the cycle. And we're at a moment of contraction. We're at a moment where growth has, hap has been allowed to happen unchecked for a very long period of time. And now we're seeing the snapback very, uh, in a very extreme way that is allowing the balance to take place again. This is not like some human being doing this or doing that. This is the cosmic organism bringing things back into balance after they have been allowed to run rampant. And we are a part of that, and we are complicit in that. We are part of that whole cycle. But if you look back in history, this isn't the first time there's been excess and then a contraction of that excess. You want to, if you want to do yourself a favor and you want to get a, a real, uh, you know, literal crash course in history, there is there's some videos on YouTube. It's called Crash Course, <laughs> like, like Crash Course World History, and they're these little ten to fifteen minute videos 
that talk about history it, with these little fun cartoons and with these really knowledgeable teachers. And I was watching some of those with my daughter. And really, what you see after you, you look at history from the macrocosm is that the things we're experiencing now, the power dynamics, the like the you know, people in power consolidating power and then people rising up against the people in power to redistribute the wealth, you know, this nation rising to power and then someone else conquering it and humbling and a dissolving, you know, the, the formation of, of societies and then the crumblings of societies. It's been happening for thousands and thousands of years. And when you see that, when you realize that, that's when you start to get in touch with your eternal nature. That's when you start to see this as part of just like the man who is saying, it isn't good or bad, it just is. It's just part of the, the time that we're living in. And if you embrace that, I'm, I'm going back to my metaphor of trying not to paddle upstream. If you embrace the consolidation energy, if you embrace living with less, if you embrace rebalancing the power structures, you will suffer less. We can't avoid the natural way that things are going. It is the height of hubris to think that as human beings, we are able to control everything on this planet and on this universe. And when we realize that we are not in control, and the only way that we will survive as a species is to cooperate with one another to protect each other. That is when we are going to be able to flow with the Tao and flow with the natural cycle of things rather than continuing as we always have, quote unquote. It's not as we always have. It's as you always have in this very small tiny infinitesimal slice of history your life in the 20 to 80 years i don't know if my any of my audience is younger than 20 in the 20 of 80 to 80 years in the grand scheme of millions of years so if you start to think of it in that way it's not, it's a, it's not too much to ask to like align yourself with the flow. All right. So I'm going to go on some philosophical journeys this week because I just, I don't know. I just got a lot of macrocosm thoughts in my head. I mean, I know that I try to get nitty gritty in my forecast, but we're living in a macrocosmic time. We're living in a time that is uh, about the big picture and uh, we are experiencing in our, on, in our own little microcosmic levels, but we have to have some big picture thinking here. We really have to kind of step outside of our, our little tiny little worlds and try to see see things from the larger perspective. Okay, so let's break down this full moon, all right? First of all, what I want to do, let's just talk in general. Aries is is ruled by Mars, and Libra is ruled by Venus. And those are going to be important players in this full moon experience. Aries tends to be more about individual sovereignty, uh, being in command of your own personal world, whereas Libra is about 
partnering, cooperation, and balancing your personal needs with the needs of another, of a partner. Okay, so there is a, a, a standoff between our own personal needs and the needs of potentially someone else. Now, let's think about this in the collective perspective because we have one very big collective aspect that's happening on this day, and that is the Mars Uranus square. Okay, and that's happening at five degrees of Aquarius for Mars and five degrees of Taurus for Uranus. And Uranus, I'm you know, getting more familiar with through Richard Tarnas, is uh, misnamed. Uh, the, the myth of Uranus is more about succession from fathers to sons, right? It's more about um, Uranus was the father of Saturn. And Saturn, I believe, uh, castrated Uranus. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, I think that's, if I'm getting that correct, correct. I'm pretty sure that that's the thing. And there's a succession story with Jupiter and Saturn because Jupiter was the son of Saturn. So we have this kind of hierarchy. Uh, and, but pr- the, the um, story that Richard Tarnas offers as being a little bit more representative of the actual energy of Uranus is Prometheus, the one who stole fire from the gods, the titan that stole fire from the gods and, and brought it to humanity and, and enacted change. Okay, It is disruptive. It is, it, there is a quality of rebellion. There's a quality of disrupting the status quo, the lightning bolt of awareness. And when you add in Mars to the mix, which is an, accelerate, an accelerant, right? it becomes very explosive. So imagine that we have this powder keg of Uranus, and it is in Taurus, the first decade of Taurus, which has to do with material resources or the Earth in general. And we have Mars, the powder, the, the gunpowder, the flame, okay, uh, um, that is going to be added to this, you know, whatever the fuel of Uranus is. And right now, what we have is Mars in a sign of collective alienation. And so what we can see here is that Mars is going to be making a difficult combative contact with the planet of mass change, rebellion, of wanting to shake up the status quo when it comes to material resources. I really think this, and this is what is fueling the sun right now. This is what is providing for the sun. Mars is providing for the sun and making contact with Uranus. This could be a moment where things really come to head. And I think with two things, uh, with the labor movements that we're seeing and potentially with things with the earth. I mean, there's been some seismic activity that's been going on recently too with literal earthquakes. The, the earth is literally shaking beneath our feet. And we can think of that in a, in a very um, tangible way with things like earthquakes, and we th- can think of that in a metaphorical way with the, uh, the systems of, of organizing material resources as well. All right? This is the last quarter phase of the Mars-Uranus experience. There was a seed of this that happened at 29 degrees of Aries on the 13th of February, 2019. So if we go back to that period of time and, and look at some of the themes at that point, 
we can start to understand that this is the one of the final chapters of that experience. So you can do that in your own life too. You can look at the Aquarius and, and Taurus area of your chart and see what, what might have been affected by this on a personal level as well. Now, the two cards associated with uh, this particular um, planetary aspect is the Five of Swords and the Five of Pentacles. And I think this really demonstrates this very accurately. In it, we see a man who is uh, smug after a battle and some people that are walking away in defeat. That is the Mars ruled, that is the, the Mars placement of Aquarius 1. And in the Uranus Deccan, we see two figures that are destitute, that are poor or injured outside of a church. So we're seeing a conflict, someone who is taking potentially maybe more than their share that is causing this, this uh, destitution. And there's, these two things are about to come in contact with one another, the, the smug victor and the exiled quote unquote loser of the conflict is about to meet with the people that are suffering. And the, I, I, like I said, I've seen this people in uh, companies like Amazon are walking out uh, because of unsafe working conditions. Um, people in uh, there's a company called Instacart where they pick up your groceries for you and deliver them. And they've staged a, a strike. There is the, the rent strike where we have people who are unable to make income that are uh, still being required to pay, um, pay rent and they're not able to. And this is a, you know, this is, like I said, this is the, the match on the bomb. Okay. So th this is really going to play an important factor in our, in our full moon. So we could see some sudden breakthroughs, some sudden breakdowns. There could be rushes of energy, impulsive actions, uh, electric yang energy. Okay. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm reading some things off my notes here. This could be reckless audacity and courage, uh, strikes, anger, attempting to make change, outlaws, rebels, volatility, conflicts over resources uh, because of fear of lack. Um, Ares, Mars, and Prometheus are facing off, okay? The god of war and the, uh, the bringer of fire to humanity, the bringer of change, are in conflict with one another. The exiled, fighting back. Um, it's, this could also be anger uh, that comes to the surface uh, due to our excessive isolation. You know, this is, we are, we are all feeling isolated right now and, and Mars moving through that ducking could bring up some intense feelings because of it. All right, so that's factor number one in our full moon. The other thing that we're going to be seeing, if we take a look at Venus, because Venus is what is disposing the moon, okay? Dis disposing means like bringing resources to the moon. Now, Venus is still within that malefic enclosure of Saturn and Mars. So Venus is feeling very restricted right now. It's feeling very um, walled off. Uh, so this is where our, our ability to, to negotiate, to, to become, uh, to bring ourselves into harmony with one another is going to be restricted. So generally at Libra full moons, we try to find a balance point between our needs and someone else's needs. 
And I have a feeling that that's going to be very difficult and going to be um, not as able to be done at this particular full moon because of the position of Venus feeling restricted between these two malefic planets. Okay, So it's going to be a lot harder to negotiate. Now, the third factor in this full moon. Okay, Let me get rid of some stuff here. Let me clear this. Factor number three in the full moon is Mercury is also going to be making a number of sextiles. Okay, so Mercury in its fall, in its exile, is going to be sextiling Jupiter and Pluto. So this whole power grab, right? This whole like power corruption, Jupiter, Pluto kind of thing, we're going to be seeing mixed messages coming, you know, from Mercury and contacting that. So both of these planets are in their fall. And Mercury has the additional debility of being in exile. So they're both functioning very poorly right now. So the, the information is not coming uh, very clearly. And the gifts or the goodwill, um, the good fortune, the uh, uh, the action, the merit-based actions, okay, are corrupted as well. The um, Jupiter generally represents uh, doing good out in the world. So it, that is difficult to manifest right now with these two planets. So we could see uh, some very confusing messaging over these uh, from people in power that are causing, you know, a disruptive Mars-Uranus square and where negotiations are breaking down because of this malefic enclosure. So that's kind of a full, I think, a full breakdown of all the, the players in this full moon, okay? And I'm going to go over to the, uh, 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 some other things too, just about Mercury and Pluto and Mercury and Jupiter. This could be where we're, you know, seeing some, very self-aggrandizement, some like uh, very enthusiastic uh, communication about belief systems, but there could be a corruption with that, right? Uh, this could be, you know, I wrote down grandiose thoughts, pride, boasting. We've seen plenty of that from our from our leaders lately, boasting about how great they of a job they're doing, rather than giving us the objective information. Now, when the full moon perfects. We'll talk about the uh, the two cards that are associated with the moon and the sun. So we have the three of wands and the three of swords, which I did not pull beforehand. So the three of wands is shows a figure that is looking out onto a bay with ships that are going out to sea um, or potentially coming back, and that card was that Deccan was talked about as being something that where we are able to we've we've severed from the parent plant in the first Deccan, the Mars ruled Deccan of Aries, and we have uh, figured out what is us and what is them, and now we are trying to become uh the sovereign of our own personal world, right? We're trying to like become a leader or, or 
have an identity, right? That we have command over. And that's our three of wands. And in the three of swords, you see a heart that is pierced with three swords and under rain clouds and things like that. That was called sorrow. Uh, the other card was called virtue. So interesting. This is about the pain, pain of relationships in the second decade of Libra. And this could be a time period where we're seeing the exposure of the things that aren't working in our relationships, things that, that clash between our personal needs and the needs of the people in our life. Um, now, the sun is in a much more powerful position because the sun is near its degree of exaltation, which is 19 degrees of Aries. So our personal desires may be much stronger, our, our warlike energy is much stronger than our ability to make peace right now. Um, I, I just think that there's uh, this potential for uh, conflict to come to light at this full moon um, rather than a, a negotiation of peace. So we can see that uh, there could be some unexpected personal desires also, Mar Mars square Uranus, that, that are where love, Venus, and negotiation is held captive with the malefic enclosure of Venus. So we could be feeling trapped also in our own little private world and unable to really meet someone halfway. Um, now, the other thing to think about is this full moon is in a T-square. It's a really crazy full moon. This full moon's in a T-square with Jupiter and Pluto, okay? And that's a, a point of extreme tension as well. Well, we're just being pulled in a lot of different directions. Okay, so that corruption is going to be a part of this, that corruption of Jupiter and Pluto. The corrupted hierarchical system is going to be a part of trying to figure out autonomy versus uh, harmony. Um, the other thing that I like to examine and that traditional astrologers examined with lunations, with new moons and full new moons, was what was the first aspect that was going to be experienced after the moon left the bond or within 15 degrees of the opposition on either side of the sun or within the conjunction of the new moon. And in this case, the first aspect that the moon is going to make uh, when it leaves the bond is a square with Mars. So the moon leaves the bond at about four degrees of Scorpio. Eek, that sucks. <laughs> Sorry. That's going to be rough. Okay. The last time that our full moon left the bond and squared Mars was when all of this uh, stuff, all this shit started hitting the fan around mid-March. Uh, um, and we had the, the full moon in, in Virgo that when it escaped the bond in Libra made a, a square, I believe, with mars in capricorn so this could be a similar moment where we have the, the revelation of a conflict of a severing of something that causes us to accelerate through conflict um, accelerate motion um, and and this is a rough one because the moon is going to be in the sign of its fall um, this could be a time where we just see more numbers accelerating you know more of the i guess i hate to say it but the death toll increasing uh, remember, uh, we've been told, and through observation of other countries, that uh, this is this virus is exponential, uh, grow grows exponentially, and that means that it's not like one person 
and then an, then another one person gets infected. If one person gets infected and they have con they will eventually infect maybe 10 other people. Then those 10 people infect 100 people. And then those 100 people infect 1,000 people. And then 1,000 people. Do you see how we're, we're multiplying these numbers here? And that's where we could see like you see like 10 people die. And then that turns into 100 people that have died and then 1,000 or, or whatnot, which is a little scary. And I don't want to scare you with those things, but I want you to be prepared mentally to be able to uh, weather the storm. And when we understand some of these things, and, and again, when we go back and see it in a larger cycle, that doesn't mean we can't feel grief. doesn't mean we can't feel our emotions. It's healthy to do that. It just means that if you have a little bit of a pre, um, if you're prescient about it, if you have a little bit of warning ahead of time, you can sort of kind of steal yourself a little bit. Now, don't do the opposite. Don't get, get so tense that you brace yourself and you make things worse. Like a lot of times, like I believe that, you know, I don't know if there's an anecdote about tensing up when you're falling off a horse, <laughs> like you'll break more bones as opposed to like uh, going limp. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that if you, if you tense up uh, when you are like, for example, if you're, um, let, let's say the art of uh, Aikido, right? If you are receiving a punch and you, you tense up, you may, uh, you know, take more damage than if you were to flow with the energy of that punch and slowly sidestep it. You may still get grazed, but you may, it may, you may have the ability to use the, the blow and uh, use the energy of that punch to flip someone on their backside. Do you see what I'm saying? So if we align ourselves as well as we can with that energy and, and allow ourselves to feel the feelings without getting too um, scared in advance, um, that can help us to prepare the, the proper self-care that we need to do to, to deal with things. Maybe if they're super intense energies this week, you have a therapist on speed dial. Uh, maybe you have a friend. You say, hey, I know that it's going to be intense this week. Will you be around if I want to talk to you? Maybe you exercise a little bit more. Maybe you are practicing your meditation and really doubling down on your meditative practice. Maybe you're taking a, an information fast, okay? Maybe you're fasting on the news. Maybe you're not watching the updates from the White House at the night, in the evening. There's other ways you can get all that information without having to he hear it regurgitated from a job of the hut every night or like belched out with, you know, all sorts of uh, inaccuracies and self-aggrandizement. Um, yeah, those are rough. I don't know. Those, are, those things are rough, man. Um, so really practice everything that you can in the beginning of the week to be able to stay calm during a heightened period of emotional energy. Full moons in general are always periods of heightened emotional energy. This is when everything is kind of coming to the surface. This is the culmination of a cycle. But this one is, is especially gnarly. Uh, and, and I think that it's, it's going to be extra important that you are practicing um, whatever you can 
to stay grounded, to stay uh, as relaxed as you, as you possibly can. And I know I'm going to be practicing those things at the beginning of the week um, as much as I can. It doesn't mean that we're going to, you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you have to feel like you aren't, you know, that you're in control of everything. You're not in control of everything. And I think that if you accept that you aren't in control, that's when you actually stop fighting to, to have control. When you let what needs to happen happen and you start coming to that point of acceptance, that's when you're navigating it with grace. All right. Whew. That is the full moon on Tuesday. Wow. There's still some more astrology for the week. <laughs> um, Wednesday, the 8th. I don't think any of it's as big as that, but we'll keep on going. On Wednesday, the 8th, uh, the moon is still in Libra. We're in our full moon phase, but it's going to be moving into Scorpio at 4.16 p.m. There's going to be uh, a number of squares from the Libra moon to Pluto and Jupiter. So this is another period where we could see tension in the negotiations that are happening, more negotiate or attempts to negotiate that are potentially hitting a brick wall or creating conflict. Um, when the moon moves into Scorpio, and this happens very early in the morning, the squares between the Libra moon and, and the Capricorn planets, when the moon moves into Scorpio at 4.16 p.m., it makes a square immediately to Saturn at 6.03 p.m. All right, so this is an, a, another conf, conflict where we see one of the lights, the moon, coming into conflict with the Lord of Death from a position of its fall, okay? So this is a difficult time for, for life right now. This is where death is very strong, um, where we may be having to come to terms with the reality of letting go of things. Um, and death, and it, we stigmatize death in, in Western culture. We're afraid of it. I know that for a long time, I was really afraid of death. And, and yeah, if I would be lying if I said I felt totally comfortable with it. Um, but I'm, I have some inkling that uh, we are eternal. Some part of us is eternal. And that does give me some comfort. Um, and that's the best I can do at this point. Okay. One thing I did want to make sure that you are able to recognize on Wednesday, because Wednesday is, a, is, is an important day as well. I mean, uh, what we're going to see, I want to demonstrate this to you, is as we move through the day, I want you to see, if you're watching on the video, when the moon escapes the bond, okay? And this happens very late on Wednesday evening, okay? Um, right around here, okay? Right around 11, oh, I don't know, 11.45 or so, the moon is going to be with the outside of 15 degrees of the opposition with the sun. And that is a condition called escaping the bond. And what we look for is the first aspect I think to a traditional planet 
that the moon is going to make. And in this case, it's the square to Mars. And that's a moment where uh, the moon's uh, significations are kind of held in check or held captive. And, and when it's released from the bond, we kind of see the full power of what this full moon was all about. And I remember this very distinctly at the last time the moon escaped the bond uh, and squared Mars is when I started getting a lot of information about how serious this pandemic was going to be. And I've told this story on the, on the show before, but it was when I was sent a podcast from Joe Rogan about uh, with a member of the CDC and talking about uh, that this is serious and this is going to come to America and we need to start preparing. So there could be a similar moment very late Wednesday uh, and potentially into Thursday morning where we were really starting to see the full ramifications of this full moon. So take extra care during that time. Do the best that you can to uh, have all your support systems in place. And I'm talking to myself also in this. <laughs> like Sometimes I'll go back and listen to these, uh, these forecasts uh, each day because when I'm doing them, it's more of like a stream of consciousness. And uh, I think that it's good to kind of take your own advice sometimes <laughs> when you're starting to get uh, challenged. And of course, I listen to other astrologers too. I, there's a lot of different podcasts that I really enjoy. Um, but there's nothing like hearing your own voice telling you not to freak out <laughs> like when, when you're in the middle of the astrology that you're anticipating but have not yet lived through. So uh, interesting times. Okay, so let's move on to Thursday. So Thursday, Thursday, the 9th of April, the moon is in Scorpio. We're still in the full moon phase, okay, uh, as the moon is not yet beyond 45 degrees of the opposition, then it becomes in the disseminating phase. Uh, and the moon is going to be making an opposition to Uranus very early in the morning, one o'clock or so, triggering more changes, more disruptions. That's always fun when Uranus has been in Taurus, the opposition with a fallen moon. And then it's going to be making that square at six degrees to, uh, to Mars. So this is kind of like a T-square between Mars, Uranus, and the moon. Um, and then Moon will be making a trine to Neptune. So those are the three rays that we're going to be seeing generally with uh, the Moon moving through Thursday. Uh, so some rough sailing kind of very late on Thursday. It's just kind of a continuation of Wednesday night because the, this is going to be applying. The Moon is going to be making those applying aspects through Wednesday night. So I think that as we move into Thursday, some of that energy will start to abate. Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be difficult days. Um, on Thursday, we're going to start to see it, the energy start to recede slightly, and, and we might be able to begin to come to terms with what was revealed. Um, the sun is going to move into the third decan of Aries at about 6 a.m. Now, this is interesting because this will give us a slightly different collective consciousness, if we're going to use Jung's uh, languaging. And this is the, the Venus-ruled decan of Aries. And we had kind of a narrative where we had the first decan in the descending Chaldean order was Mars-ruled. Then we had uh, the solar-ruled decan in, in part two. 
And then in the third decan, we, it is Venus ruled. So we have a severing that leads to a sense of personal power. And then with Venus, we are gaining a following. We are attracting uh, someone or some group to, to our vision, to our own personal vision. Um, when I was doing research for this in 36 Faces, uh, there was a lot of talk of uh, performers, comedians, um, people who have lots of charisma. So this, we could see a, a, now that we have figured out as a collective or in, and, and individually who we are by figuring out our separateness, and then we're able to uh, have awareness of that separate identity, and now we are trying to share who we are and uh, win over. Uh, this is something that is directly from 36 Faces, win over a hostile crowd. So this is still a Mars-ruled sign, but now we're trying to harmonize with Venus. We're harmonizing the, the separation. We're trying to bring balance back. Um, so this is something where we are... Um, yeah, we're... we're I've, in the past, I've looked at like when Venus was in this particular decan. This is uh, like Marilyn Monroe was was one example that came up, where she had uh, the ability to maybe even <laughs> warm over a hostile crowd with her the power of her charisma. So we may see our leaders trying to win over a hostile crowd, the people in power. Right, the, the sun was always representative of uh, the king too. So this could be where the president or like the president of these companies are trying to smooth over some of the rebellion that is happening with our uh, exiled workers and with our, uh, you know, disenfranchised public. So be aware of that, that there is definitely going to be some uh, attempts to, to, to smooth over some of the conflicts. And my warning for you on that is that don't get taken in by it, <laughs> you know? Uh, yes, yes, it is good to eventually try to find some sort of consensus. But if you give in too quickly to uh, being placated, uh, the result of your collective action is going to be um, diluted is the word I want to say, D diluted, okay? Um, so yeah, be careful. Now this may be a, a, on a just on a personal level. This may be where more artists and musicians are getting on their Facebook live stream and saying, "Hey, I, this is who I am." Uh, you know, I'm sharing it with you now. Let's uh, let's go out there together and and, and whatnot. And uh, it's about trying to find an audience for your new identity that you've crafted in, in the Aries area. So that could be a, a collective where we're really trying to find our, our audience. Okay, let's move to Friday. On Friday, April 10th, the moon is moving from Scorpio to Sagittarius at 4.35 p.m. So after having some pretty difficult emotional days, we get some relief as the moon uh, improves its condition, moves out of its fall. 
So before that happens, the moon is going to sextile Pluto and Jupiter uh, in the morning, 814 and 907 respectively. And this is a resolution or some sort of help, I think, for the conflict that we saw when the moon was in Libra and squaring both of these planets. So whatever was going on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, you may see some kind of help because sextiles were like good fortune that was of the nature of, of Venus. Um, some sort of good fortune that happens to help smooth out some of that trouble from earlier in the week. Now, you still have a moon that's in fall, so it's, it's not the greatest in the world. Uh, but and, and this Venus is also still compromised by being in malefic enclosure. But I do think that there might be some kind of starting to, uh, a process of starting to unravel some of those tensions. When uh, the moon, the, also the moon is going to make a trine to Mercury too. So there may be some messaging that, ha that we receive as well that still may not be ideal, but is beneficial because trines were of the nature of Jupiter. When the moon moves into Sagittarius at 4.35 p.m., then the moon makes a sextile to Saturn. So this, this is where we are seeing uh, the moon now moving out of that fallen position okay and into a harmonious relationship with saturn where we're we've come to terms with the the difficulty of the beginning of the week and we may be getting some uh, help uh, by the moon moving into the first decan of sagittarius first decan of sagittarius was about speed um, and this is an interesting one because where we have the moon in a in a place of speed meeting Saturn in the place of uh, exile. So this may be another moment where we have an agreement to potentially maybe more states are going into quarantine or more more there's more stay at home orders. There this could be accelerating more isolation, but it's going to be beneficial. It's the it's the it's of the nature of of Venus this sextile. So really. And I don't think I'm way out of line, but it's the right thing to do right now, okay? Staying at home is the right thing to do. You are saving a life right now by not going out into your community and by staying in your home. And there may be more and more communities starting to participate and realize this by Friday the 10th. Because I really think that we're going to get a rude, shocking awakening as to how bad this is at the beginning of the week with Unfortunately, with death toll numbers uh, coming to light, uh, that it's going to force actions that are more intense and force more people to participate. Because the way this is happening right now with one state quarantining and having a stay-at-home order and these other states that are flatlining, right? Okay, like, hey, guess what? That's not how a virus works. If you, if you don't cut off everyone, you know, it will spread. And the, the states that don't have as many cases will have cases eventually. And a lot of those states may not be set up to, to deal with it properly. So uh, for, the, for the good of the whole, um, stay home. And if you're in a state that doesn't have mandatory uh, stay-at-home orders, do the right thing and be a hero, okay? And it, I really, I mean that. The most heroic action that you can take right now is to isolate and to... to have as little social contact as possible. And that's so crazy. That's so crazy to think of. It feels counterintuitive as a human being. 
but it but that's the that's the nature of the times that we're in you know all right so that's our friday if we go forward to our weekend we have some more astrology happening as we always do we always have astrology happening there's no rest for the astrologers this is actually the busiest a lot of us have been in a long time because people are really trying to figure out what the hell's going on you know they're like hey put this put these really really disruptive events into context <laughs> so that's what i'm trying to do for you on the 11th of april the moon will be in sagittarius we are beginning our disseminating phase okay so this disseminating phase is when we have uh generally when we have a trine between the sun and the moon and we are seeing the distribution of what came to light at the full moon think of this as the the fruit that became ripened and now we are able to eat and consume the fruit from the from the plant and this is could be like a spreading of ideas this could be new uh you know potentially i don't know new packages being uh distributed maybe we first people are getting their first stimulus checks or something i don't know about that but potentially um there could be some new rules enacted or or things of that nature we're seeing the results of the seed that was planted at the new moon that came to fruition at the full moon and now they're being distributed out into the world okay um on the beginning of the day the moon makes an opposition to venus so that could be another moment where we have some conflict in our relationships we have the moon in a in a place that wants to take action on its beliefs it's being provided for by this jupiter that's fallen and it's coming into conflict with uh, potentially venus in a place of fear where we feel uh, constrained okay so there could be some kind of conflict where we're feeling constrained we want to move forward but but our fears are holding us back in our relationships uh, the moon will then sextile mars okay at eight degrees so this could be another moment where we're taking action on potentially uh, more isolation or more rebellion or more um, you know fighting for the for the little guy or those of us in, in exile uh, this could be where we're seeing more people taking taking a stand or, or doing things of that nature as well at 7 57 p.m mercury is going to be making a sextile first of all actually i wanted to say that before this all happens mercury changes signs Woo! celebration wah, 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 wah. right that's my that's my, i don't know my, my good uh alarm not alarm that's like the 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 winning bell or whatever i don't know mercury has moved into aries look at that our time in, in pisces has come to a close and we are going out of debility i don't know if we're gaining a specific dignity as i've said but we are losing a bunch of debility uh, and as Mercury moves through this day, it will be helping on a lot of fact, on a lot of factors, a lot of in a many fashions. That's what I want to say. Mercury's still in Pisces right now, okay? But as we move forward, uh, here we see the sextile between Mercury and Saturn. Now, this is the crescent phase of the conjunction that happened between Mercury and Saturn at 22 degrees of Capricorn, the same degree that we had 
the Saturn-Pluto conjunction on the 11th of January, 2020. So this Mercury is coming to a point where we're, we're coming to a point of clarity. This is where we're, we've gone through a lot of the confusion of Mercury and Pisces. We're here at a point of clarity with Mercury in Aries, where we are seeing the, the fruition of some of the uh, information where the seed was planted in January, right? This could be an or organization of more of the um, movements, labor movements that we're seeing. This could be messages of divisiveness. Mercury is in Aries. It's being provided for by Mars in Aquarius, okay? So we have to always have to look at who the dispositor is. Who, who is providing resources for that planet? So this is Mars is really fighting for equality right now. So this could be where we see more messages about that, more communications, protest movements, like the rent strike, the essential workers. Um, the other thing that this does is this is breaking up the malefic enclosure of Venus, right? So what is happening now is Mercury is sending its sextile ray to intercept and, and kind of give relief to the feeling that Venus has of being enclosed between the two malefics, okay? And that is a good thing. That is going to be very helpful for negotiations, for relationships. It's going to be something where our clarity and thinking is going to help bring about more positive uh, resolutions. Okay, let's just talk a little bit about Mercury and Aries, though. This is, remember, this was the Deccan that was associated with the Two of Wands, with the uh, Austin Calvert calls it the axe. Um, we are kind of severing ourselves from the parent plant. So this could be where we uh, have more independent thinking, more clarity and decisiveness. This could be where we get a little angry too, where we're thinking and communicating more uh, thoughts and messages of separation, of saying, no, we are not going to take this and we're severing this from or we're severing ourselves from this oppressive system. Um, this could be hostile negotiations too. There could be some hostility when we're asking for what we want and we're saying, you know, this is, this is what the people deserve. Uh, and th there could be equal uh, hostility coming from the people in power as well. Um, so that's what we've got with Mercury breaking all of this up. Uh, that should be a, a it's interesting times, man. I, I, I'm really curious to see how it plays out, but all of my intuition surrounding these, uh, these aspects uh, and just my common sense observation of the direction that things are going in is that you have people that are suffering right now and you have hi hierarchy and people in power that are trying to you know, do things the way that they've always done, which was unfair in the first place. And when you have people that are suffering and that can't possibly uh, provide what the people in power are asking for, that's when you have revolutions and then you have movements that uh, make big changes. I mean, this is like French Revolution type stuff where the people in power were, you know, you remember where they were saying, and I don't remember all the specifics, but there was a believe a hunger uh, there was a shortage of food in, in France, and uh, there, there was the famous words that were uttered, let them eat cake. 
and that enraged the people, you know, like to the point where the, the monarch literally was beheaded. Um, so that's the kind of energy we're living through right now. Um, on Sunday, the 12th, the moon is moving from Sagittarius into Capricorn. Uh, it changes signs at 8.05 p.m. It's still in the disseminating phase. And here we see a square uh, between Neptune and the moon in Sagittarius, okay, at 19 degrees. So there may be uh, some, a little bit of confusion and a little bit of um, where we feel a little bit tired where we're, we've been really had an emotional week and we're feeling just the, oh, I don't know, the burden of our own uh, feelings and just having so many things happen at once. That could be what we're feeling very early Sunday or late Saturday night. And as the moon moves through Sagittarius, it will make a trine with the sun at 23 degrees uh, of Sagittarius and Aries at 746 a.m. So this may be where we get a little bit of boost of vitality after the separation with, with uh, Neptune. So that'll be good. Um, that'll, that will be <laughs> like, it might not necessarily be good or bad, but we may experience it subjectively as good. Okay. Uh, so the moon, when it moves into Capricorn, um, is going to be losing some dignity. It'll be in its exile. Now, one thing I wanted to say that th those are the, that's the end of our aspectual, uh, exploration. But what I did want to say before we wrap this up is that we are going to start to see the building of the sun coming into a square with both Pluto and Jupiter. And that's going to perfect on Tuesday the 14th with Pluto. And then on the 15th, 14th and 15th, uh, it's going to square Jupiter. Okay, so this is, this is another point in time where we're going to see a, an, an expansion of volatility, right? This is an expansion of conflict with, with the uh, established hierarchy, okay? Um, so this could be where we have the charisma of, an example of how this could play out. You have a labor movement and you have somebody who is very charismatic that is trying to um, uh, bring gain a following of a hostile crowd who's already angry and bring them into conflict with the established corporate or governmental hierarchy. Okay. So this is a very real possibility as we move into next week, as we see some very charismatic leaders uh, inciting people to action. Um, so yeah, looking ahead to the 13th through the 19th, we've got the sun squaring Pluto. We have our last quarter moon, which is a sort of an existential crisis. Um, on Wednesday, Mercury will be meeting up with Chiron that, that in a similar position that we had at our new moon um, a few weeks ago at six degrees or so. Then we have our square between the sun and Jupiter. And then on Saturday, the 18th, Mercury makes a number of sextiles to Venus in Gemini and then a sextile to Mars in Aquarius. And finally, on Sunday, the 19th, the sun will move into Taurus, Taurus season, and immediately into a square with Saturn. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like, oh, we're living through some interesting stuff. All right. So that's what I've got for this week, everybody. Thank you for uh, hanging out with me. Um, thank you for your support. 
Uh, if you want to support uh, what the work that I do, um, some things that you can do. You can hit the like button, you can hit the share button, you can hit the subscribe button, you can sign up for my mailing list if you want to figure out when new things are going to be coming out. There's also a few donation links if you feel so inclined. Um, I'm doing most of these things for free, so it is appreciated whenever somebody donates. There's a Venmo or a PayPal me. Uh, think of this as the equivalent of your local musician doing a gig uh, on Facebook and having a little virtual tip jar there. So that is always appreciated as well. Um, if you would like to support what I do, reach out for a reading. Um, I definitely enjoy hearing from all of you and doing readings for you all. Um, if you are having financial hardship, reach out and let me know and we can work something out. Uh, I have been flexible with some of my rates recently because of what's going on. So I'd be willing to work with you if that is something that you are experiencing. But I'm always happy to help. Um, yeah, so that's what I've got for this week. Remember to breathe. Remember that this too shall pass. And this is just part of a much bigger cycle. And if you can see yourself as not just one human being in one body, and you can see yourself as an eternal spirit soul, that'll, I hopefully that'll help you come to a point of acceptance and flow with this necessary contraction uh, that we're experiencing on the earthly plane. Okay? So hang in there, everybody, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Take care.